Yeah, right. And I, they may have sold 19,000 tickets if you count uh, seasons tickets and all that. There must have been 11 or 12,000 people in that stadium. Mark, and it, 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 it's, it's sad what's happening, but we'll get into more of that later on. Mark, what genius scheduled that game for 4 o'clock in the afternoon? At 1 o'clock here in Cincinnati, it was bright sunshine, 75 degrees, just gorgeous baseball weather. And then about 3.30, the crowds rolled, the, the clouds rolled in, and you've got a rainstorm over the top of Great American Ballpark. Yeah, it was one hell of a rainstorm, i got to tell you that. It, it looked, you looked straight up. We were sitting... We were in the uh, boxes right behind uh, the, the backstop, but you look straight up, and I told my son, it's the end of times. I mean, we're all going to die here because it was black. It wasn't gray. It was black outside, and we all got up just in time and ran to, you know, ran to cover. But the reason the game started late is they had a marathon in Cincinnati and earlier in the day. I think it started in the morning, and so they, they wanted to clear the city out. It's called the Flying Pig marathon that's the name of it and i've actually run in that damn thing uh, a few years ago uh but that that's why because it it, grow, it draws far more people than attended the reds game and they wanted the city to empty out before they you know brought in the fans for the reds so that's why they did it and that being said in boston they managed to run a marathon and start a red sox game at 11:30 in the morning yeah that's true and uh it's just uh, the way they handle it, you know, Cincinnati is, uh, that, that, that marathon has to be, cause I ran that back in the eighties. That's going to be 30, 40 years old. Uh, I think it started as a half marathon. Uh, those days are long behind me, but, uh, it, it was, it was a good race and it's well attended. So, uh, you know, it, 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 we were driving down there. We, we, I guess we got into Cincinnati around, I don't know, three o'clock, three fifteen. And you're right. It was absolutely beautiful. There were no clouds in the sky. The forecast said it was going to rain, but I'd say within by the second inning, it started clouding up, and, and by the third inning, it was raining pretty hard. It started and stopped, started and stopped, and finally, it just the clouds broke loose. Uh, we did not stay for the, the restart of the game, but uh, they, they got it in, and as the Reds do, they lose. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, that's, uh, you know, it, it's expected now the Reds are going to lose. I, I, I'm really surprised about the Indians, but I, I disagree with something you said. I think the Yankees are a really good team, and I, I think Boston's a great team at this point. And if there were, uh, you know, if Cleveland was playing in the East, uh, they'd be in big trouble because I think those teams right now are playing a lot better than the Indians are. Well, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you as far as the way the Indians are playing as compared to Boston, Toronto, and the New York Yankees. But that Toronto doubleheader on Thursday that the Indians participated in and split really took its toll on the Indians pitching staff heading into the Friday, Saturday, Sunday set against the New York Yankees. And and, and Mark, I think you'll agree with this that when you're playing a doubleheader on Thursday, and it's supposed to be a day-night doubleheader, and it turns out to be basically an all-day and all-night doubleheader because the first game went 14 innings, and the second game, it was a 13-run affair that the Indians put up on the scoreboard in that game. But the problem is is that in the first game that they were beaten by Toronto in that contest, they shot their bullpen all, all to crap. 
They they had nobody left in the bullpen. Cody Allen had to come in and basically pitch the eighth and ninth innings in the contest and eventually lost the first game. They had to bring up a double-A pitcher in Aaron Protel to pitch the nightcap of the game. Now, they needed a good seven or eight innings out of him, Mark, in order to rest the bullpen. They got it. The kid came in and pitched outstanding baseball for the Indians in his first major league start, picked up the victory. The Indians won the game, but heading into New York, Mark, their bullpen was just completely shot. And I know over the past couple of years, the Reds have had problems with their bullpen. You just can't win baseball games if your bullpen is just is a walking mash unit. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the Reds' bullpen has been spotty. It's been good sometimes. It's been bad other times. Same with the offense. They just... The averages on the team aren't bad. If you go up and down the uh, the lineup, the averages are not bad. Two eighty, two ninety. Um, you know, it, it's not bad. But if you, if your bullpen is not giving your starting pitchers a chance, uh, that 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 brings down the whole team. And then if you have a situation like yesterday when you know Cody Allen came in, I don't think he was tired, but he, he gives up. The oh, he was whipped. He was whipped. Yeah, and he, the first two guys got in, and then it was, it was downhill from there. A three-run home run wins the game. So. Uh, you know that 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 demoralizes the team, and the Indians could have really used that win yesterday. It would have let them, you know, a getaway day, and you win. And even though you lost the series, you know, you're you're thinking good about yourself. And then having that happen, that, that that's a tough loss. Can I talk about the Yankees here just for a second? Sure. And what I mean, the Yankees are a good baseball team. I mean, I'm not trying to kid anybody. They are a good baseball team, but they've got their weaknesses. They are not the 27 Yankees, let's face it. They, they have got plenty of holes in that team, and the two holes are in the pitching department. The first one is uh, in the pitching department. They don't have enough starting pitching. Now, we'll talk about Matt Harvey coming up here in a little bit, but they need more starting pitching. When you have got to rely upon Sonny Gray to be your number three starter, you've got a problem. The Indians over the last five years under Terry Francona, Mark, have never hit a first-year pitcher very well. And this kid that came up and pitched on Saturday for the Yankees, I can't even recall his name right now, but he just blew the ball by the Indians. That that didn't surprise me whatsoever. But what's going to kill the Yankees, I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you this right now, the Yankees' weak spot on defense is a catcher. Now, as a catcher, what is your primary job? Handle the pitching staff. Well, let's get even more fundamental than that. Catch the baseball. Yeah, that's it. Sanchez cannot catch the baseball. Period. He can't. If it's a high-rising fastball mark, he is so slow, he cannot catch a Twice over the weekend, Mark, the umpire got hit smack dab in the in the face mask with high-rising fastballs. Araldus Chapman on Friday night was so perturbed at Sanchez behind the plate that he about blew the game. He came very close to blowing the game for the Yankees. Matter of fact, he threw a wild pitch. He threw three wild pitches in the ninth inning that led to the Indians scoring the game-tying run in the ninth inning. And the third one allowed the run to score, and it was a high-rising fastball that Sanchez just didn't get the glove up in time to catch. 
and it basically glanced, not basically, it did glance off the home plate umpire's mask and went to the backstop. They, he would be better suited going to first base. And, and then they could get themselves a defensive catcher that would be a lot better for this ball club. The problem is they've got a good, in Bird, they've got a good first baseman. They can't move him anywhere else. It's almost like the Devin Mezzarocco curse for the Reds. They can't put him anywhere else. He's got to catch. But he can't catch. And that's well, going to be the Yankees' downfall. Okay, speaking of Mezzarocco, I've got a scoop for you. Good. Okay. You ready? Yeah. This is, this is journalism one, two, three. Uh, during the rain yesterday and it, the, the downpour, uh, I was standing next to a guy and he had a clipboard. And I'm not going to tell you who it was. I knew the guy from years ago in Chicago. Nothing to do with the Cubs or White Sox, by the way. Uh, but he works for a major league team. And I knew him. Uh, not well, but we played against each other in a league up in Chicago. And, uh, you know, knew him for a long time. I said, who are you here scouting? He said, well, I can't tell you. I said, come on. I said, let, let, me, let me throw out some names for you. And you tell me <laughs> if, if these are the guys you're after. So... I threw out Homer Bailey and Devin Mesoraco. And he said, yes, yes. He said he's staying over tonight to watch Homer Bailey pitch. That's why he was in town. Mm-hmm. And they're also after Devin, or looking at Devin Mesoraco. Now, I'm not saying it's the Yankees. I'm, I swore, I'm sworn to secrecy. But this was a scout who has been a scout, I don't know, for 20, 25 years. And he said Homer Bailey will be traded. There's no question about it. Absolutely. That. He's got to be. And, you know, he said his numbers are better than they look. I think he's 0-3, and he's got a 4-3. He's 0-4 he's with a 4.81 ERA. I've got it right down yeah. here. Okay. Well, he said he's pitched better than that, that he got up to his ERA the last three or four games. He said his, his, his fundamentals are there. You know, his control is good. He's not walking a lot of guys. He's throwing hard. He's throwing hard late in the game. And, you know, he is going to be picked up by somebody. He's only got a year left in his contract after this year. Mm-hmm. So somebody will pick him up. And Devin Mesoraco, this is his last year. Uh, the Reds have some good catching prospects in the minor leagues. So it's it's likely he's going to be gone. And that was going to open up some more pitching opportunities for the Reds. And at, at this point, the Reds have nothing to lose. They, they're, they're going to be the worst team in baseball probably unless Baltimore continues to pay, play as badly as the Reds. But you mentioned Matt Harvey, and we talked about this earlier today. Uh, the Reds have absolutely no reason not to go after Matt Harvey, unless the Yankees are asking a ridiculous price, but you could do a, play, a player to be named later based on, say, if Harvey makes the 40-man roster or if he sticks around for the year or whatever. Uh, I don't think the Reds have to give up too much. Uh, and, and if they want to roll the dice and, and just wait for him to be DFA'd, uh, they could just go out and, and, and treat him as a free agent and try and sign him, which, you know, they ought to do. But I'm sure the Yankees will be shop or the Mets will be shopping him. Uh, but the Reds, because of where they are uh, in the rotation for picking up uh, free agents uh, or p- players who have been uh, put on DFA, uh, the Reds have a real shot to get him if they want him. Now, there's no reason to pick up a guy who's hurt unless they believe that they can do something with him physically. And maybe it's more mental. Uh, you mentioned today, it was a good point, maybe the guy just needs to get out of New York because yeah. he, was boot, he was booed savagely in New York the last time he pitched. And, you know, that's, it's got to hurt him because he was 
you know, he was the next great thing coming up with, with well, and if, and if, if you recall, Mark, about a year ago, he had some girlfriend problems in New York City, too. Yeah. And, you know, that that could really blow your mind. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I know. And, you know, that that might be he, – he just may – you know, like we said, he just may need to get out of New York City. Now, I don't want to – I don't want you to go any any deeper into this scout, but it's interesting that you bring it up and you say that he's not there for the Cubs or the White Sox because – in listening to some of the reports and hearing some of the reports out of Chicago today, they're talking about how the Cubs are really looking for starting pitching, that you Darvish has not turned into the type of pitcher that they thought he was going to be, that John Lester has really been the anchor of that starting rotation. They're probably starting to miss Arietta, but they are in dire need of starting pitching because right now, Mark, if you look at their stats – they are dead last in the major leagues as far as innings pitched by their starting rotation. Their their starting rotation has taken a hit also, and that's something that when you look at, Mark, you know, they, they could be in the market for Homer Bailey too. I think Homer Bailey brings value to the Reds in return. I mean, they, they can get something for him. And, and even Mezzarocco, I, I think, you know, he's he's healthy this year. He's really not getting much of a chance to play, <clears throat> and this guy is, you know, three years away from being an all-star. So, and he's a good defensive catcher. He's not great, but he's good. So, I think there's some there's some pieces on the Reds that they can they can market and bring in some good young talent. Uh, but the, the 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 problems the Reds have are not going to be fixed by a trade, and they're not going to get, in my opinion, even for a Homer Bailey. They're not going to get somebody who's ready to contribute this year. It's going to be somebody at Double A AA or Triple A, maybe. Uh, that's it's you know a couple years out. But you know what is? I'm going to bring up two examples of, of things that really concern me about the Reds, and there, there's more than two, but just two obvious ones. Uh, I was watching Jesse Winker yesterday, and Jesse Winker's hitting. He's been hitting around 300 all year, but he has no home runs. Uh, he only has, a, you know, he doesn't have many RBIs. He, he's a below-average outfielder. He has no speed, and he's got no arm. And this guy is a defensive liability compared to even Shevler. I mean, Shevler covers more ground, he's got a better arm, he's faster, all those things. And Winker is the guy. He, you know, he's the, he's the guy they bring up in the minors who's supposed to turn this franchise around or help. Dave, the guy's got no power, and he... He hits line drives, but he he might hit five home runs this year, and that is you can't have that out of a left fielder. Mm-hmm. You can't have a left fielder hitting twenty five, thirty home runs. And he's not going to do that. And then the other guy that let me give you these statistics, and you tell me who it is. <clears throat> he's zero and two. He's got an ERA of thirteen point nine seven. He started five games. He's pitched 9.2 innings. I mean, five games he started, he's only pitched nine innings. He's given up 21 hits, 15 runs, two home runs, and in nine innings he's walked 10. He's got a whip of 3.21. Who is it? When you first started this out, I thought it was Brian Finnegan, but I don't think Finnegan has started five games. I'm going to say Finnegan. Hunter Green. Oh, down in the minors. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is a he, he's in the one of the lowest rungs of minor league baseball. 
the Reds spent seven million dollars signing him last year. That not even a year ago. He's supposed to be the next best thing coming up for the Reds, and he's got a 14 ERA after five games. Mark, he's learning to pitch. I mean, let's give this guy a break here. This is his first full year in professional baseball, and he's used to just go at the high school level, throwing the ball down the middle of the plate and daring guys to hit it. I understand that, but if you spend seven million dollars on a guy, and he cannot get out a batters. This is low single A. He should be able to get those hitters out, not knowing how to pitch, just throwing the ball hard, having a good breaking ball. The, the, my point is, you're right. Hunter Green may turn out to be the next great thing for the Reds, but at this rate, where he is now, it's going to be five years before he makes a major contribution to this team, and that's the scary part. And that's the scary part with Winker. That they invest a lot of time and effort, and the hype. My God! And then this doesn't include all the hype we heard about Robert Stevenson. Robert Stevenson may not pitch in the big leagues again. And this is the guy we heard about how many years? No,、oh, for at least the last four years we've been talking. I think it's at least four. I think it's five or six. I mean, when they signed him, <clears throat> he was supposed to be the guy. And he had a better start in the minors than Hunter Green did. So these these draft picks that don't pan out are just as. And there's Nick Tribbiaso. The Reds signed him three or four years ago. He's never been out at, at a bay ball.、Mm-hmm. He was number number one pick. Well, where's where's Jeff Lamb? Well, he, he got he's been traded. Last year he got traded. Yeah, but he but he never turned out into anything. Even after. Oh, by the way, Johnny Cueto's on the DL. I heard that. I heard that, and hope it's not serious. But、uh, you know, we're, we're talking about reasons that the Reds are not very good.、Mm-hmm. And you look at these draft picks. That's clearly one reason. These these high draft picks have not worked out. And I hope Hunter Green becomes an All Star. But it's going to be a while. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the Indians bullpen because the Indians bullpen right now has been a travesty, and here's why: over their last 14 ball games, Mark, their ERA rivals what the Reds bullpen was a year ago, 9.29 ERA over the last 14 games. That makes them the 28th major league team. The 28th. They're in 28th spot as far as ERA is concerned in Major League Baseball. Their overall ERA in the bullpen 5.51. Now in the past five days, this is just the last five days since last Thursday. Ben Taylor has come and gone from AAA. Both Matt Belial and Jeff Bellavu were designated for assignment. Alexi Ogando, who lost the game on Friday night, and Evan Marshall were called up. That's the state of the bullpen right now. Then you've got Zach McAllister, who has never been consistent, but has a great arm. But he's never been able to develop an out pitch. They can't depend upon him in the bullpen. They lost Brian Shaw, which a lot of, and I want to talk about this later on. We've got some idiots on the internet. I mean, how how in the world these guys can generate enough brain power to even type on a keyboard amazes me. With some of the stuff that they type out on this keyboard, and they want to talk about how Jason Kipnis should be sent to Columbus, how the the Indians should make Eric Gonzalez the the second baseman, 
And it's amazing, you know, how Josh Tomlin should be put in the bullpen. We had some idiot today, Mark, I kid you not, said that Trevor Bowers should be put in the bullpen. What in the world is this guy drinking out of his Kool-Aid? What, what is okay, he adding to that? Okay, now don't have a stroke. I want you to calm down. <laughs> Things are not that bad. But let me ask you a question. Let's you and I put on our GM hats. You just said the Indians have the worst base, uh, bullpen in baseball. What would you give me off the Indians' 25-man roster for Rassel Iglesias? Uh, you know, I was going to bring that up earlier. And the first thing that I think of is the Reds need minor league talent, they need youngsters, and they need pitching. They, they, and they need outfielders. I, I think they need somebody right now that can come in and take the place of Billy Hamilton and actually be a decent hitter. And the guy that I'm thinking of off the top of my head would be two guys, Tyler Naquin and Greg Allen. Tyler Naquin, he can't even make the Indians. Yeah, he's, he's their regular right fielder right now, and he's hitting three thirty three. I know, but you, you say that every year, and he ends up hitting two oh eight, and they send him down to AAA again. Well, they only I, did that last year. The year before, he he was only the he was third place for the rookie of the year, hit over three hundred. Then last year, he fell off the market. Now this year, he's back up hitting and hitting three thirty three and playing regular right field. He's a lousy outfielder. I, I don't. He's not going to make a difference. All right, how about Greg Allen? Who Greg Allen? You know, I, that's another thing. Bradley Zimmer, I saw today or not today, but over the weekend. And Mark, I'm going to tell you right now, I would love to see Bradley Zimmer and Billy Hamilton in a foot race. I don't think it would be that far out of the realm of possibility that Bradley Zimmer would beat him in a foot race. Bradley Zimmer's that fast. But I don't want to give up Zimmer. But I would give up Greg Allen, and I would give up one of the... the why, uh, would we the give up, why would we give up Iglesias for Allen? No, I'm not saying even up. I'm talking no, about I'm, you guys need you guys need a center fielder. You you have no outfielders in the minor leagues. That's true. That's true. You guys need but, somebody but, that you can build up the middle with, right? But but not Tyler Naquin. He, he's okay. not a guy. Well, then you got Greg Allen, who's a center fielder, also and a leadoff hitter. But he's mired in the Indians' minor league system simply because they've got so many outfielders. He's not going to become one of the major league outfielders. So I could give him up. I could give up a couple of the, the infield prospects that we've got in the minor leagues and probably one of our starting pitchers down there. That's how much I think of uh, Iglesias right now, that I would be able to do a two-for-one or a three-for-one deal for Iglesias with the Reds and be able to fulfill some of their, their youth that they, that they want. Because I, I think Iglesias would be a good fit. You You team him up with Miller, and then you've got – a replacement for Brian Sean. You've got the seventh, eighth, and ninth all sewn up for the Indians. Well, I, I was looking at the Reds roster yesterday, and you know, looking at contracts, looking at age, looking at what the Reds are uh, right now. I see five players that on their twenty-five man roster. I mean, there, there could be others you could argue, but there are five guys that could literally change the team around if they were traded. Uh, with youth, I, it's Billy Hamilton, Iglesias, Scooter Jeanette, Devin Mesrocco, and Homer Bailey. You trade those five guys, number one, you're going to free up a lot of cash, mm -hmm. a whole lot of cash. And those five guys can actually help other teams. You, usually some of these trades, you know, you get a guy who, yeah, you can trade him, but he's not really valuable, so he doesn't bring much back. 
these guys can bring something back. I mean, Scooter Jeanette, he can hit. I mean, he's a decent second baseman. He's average. Uh, and Mezzarocco has value. But Iglesias and Bailey can really, can really return something. And for the right team, so can Billy Hamilton. It has to be the right team. And I was thinking about the Yankees for, for, for Hamilton. <clears throat> they could use a, a defensive outfielder. And there's a lot of teams that could use Hamilton if they have the complement of other players that the Reds don't have. He's a, he's a, a good player on the right team. He's just not a good player on the Reds. But those five guys, they can return enough, you know, immediacy of talent. Unlike a Hunter Green, who's not going to be up here for three, four, five years, they could they could get talent that could come up next year and help the teams help help the Reds compete. But because you're my friend, and I've known you for eight years, and I've carried you on the <laughs> show for eight years, I wanted to give you the general manager decision. These five guys I'm willing to trade, and how many of them could help the Indians? See, here, here's here. I'm looking at the stats right now on Columbus. I, I'm not going down as far as Akron, but I'm looking at the stats right now on Columbus and. Adam Plutko, who we already talked about, he's he's one of the guys that came up over the weekend and pitched the, the game on Thursday night, the nightcap of the doubleheader. They've also got another guy named Shane Bieber. Supposedly no relation to Justin, thank God. But he is one of the guys that, well, I'll tell you, Mark, they are extremely high on a pitcher, right-handed pitcher, got a 1.50 ERA, in six innings pitch, they just brought him up from Double A Akron. Uh, Plutko in 30 innings pitched, he's got five starts. He's three and two overall, 2.35 ERA. Um, you, you've got Neil Ramirez, who's a youngster, also right-hander. Uh, Louis Head, although Head's got a, 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 a unbelievable uh, ERA, it's so high. I, I don't. How about, how about that catcher of yours in the minors, Francisco Mejia? Don't want to give him yeah. up. Okay. Don't don't no. Definitely don't want to give him up. I mean, I would have to have a lot more coming back to the hey, Indians. <laughs> you got you got one of the best relievers in baseball that's available. Iglesias. That's what you need. You ought to give up somebody on your twenty-five man roster. Iglesias is not going to break through Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. Iglesias will be our replacement for Brian Shaw's the seventh inning reliever. Oh, that's insane! No, it's not. He's a closer. He's not going. He's not going to outdo Cody Allen. I think he's better than Cody Allen right now. Wow! He's certainly his equal. No, no question about it. And you're going to need in the playoffs. You're going to need three relievers like that. That's how the Indians got to the World Series two years ago. That's how the Cubs won it with their bullpen. Dodgers got to the World Series with an outstanding bullpen too. So it's no longer just an eighth and ninth inning guy. I'm saying that a guy like Iglesias for the Indians or Homer Bailey to the Yankees or, or how about the Dodgers now? They've lost uh, their – Yeah, Clayton no, Kershaw's on the DL. Yeah, Kershaw. That's right. Again. I mean, that's right, again. But you know, he, he, can, he can change a team from not making the playoffs to actually getting into the World Series if Homer Bailey's healthy. So these five guys I've got to offer, Billy Hamilton, Iglesias – uh, Mezzarocco, uh, Scooter Jeanette, and Homer Bailey, I see these guys as getting a team over the top. Oh, I agree. And, I agree with the, you. And the Indians, you know, they would be foolish 
if they had a chance to pick up Iglesias, I mean, you're talking about one of the top, they said in, in baseball today yesterday, he's got the best slider in baseball. Mark, he's realistically, I mean, okay, let's look at the Indians' 25-man roster. Who would you want off the Indians' 25-man roster for Iglesias that is going to be there when the Reds are a contending ball club again? Well, the guy I really want is your shortstop, but uh, you're going to trade him. <laughs> no. Uh, but... Now think about this. If we, if you had a, if you had a decent shortstop, and we gave you Bailey and Iglesias and Scooter Jeanette, who can really help you guys offensively, especially and, and Billy Hamilton, or three of the five guys. I mean, who would you trade? Who would you give me? Look at it that way. Who would you give me off your twenty-five man roster? That it, it has to hurt because. If for you're going to get Iglesias, for it, it has to hurt you a little bit to get Iglesias and two other guys. You're, you know, the Reds aren't going to make a deal unless there's somebody good, or you give me your number one draft choice from last year or the year before, and, you know, maybe we can talk. No, I, but, I agree with you, Mark, but what I'm asking, see, in my opinion, what the Reds need is young talent. They don't need uh, guys like Jason Kipnis. They don't need guys. No, uh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, they need young talent. Now, obviously, we're not going to get rid of uh, Ramirez, our third baseman, who could play second base for you guys and be a solid number three hitter in the lineup or number two hitter and hit 300 and hit, you know, 25, 30 home runs and drive in close to 100 runs. We're not going to give him up. He's 24 years old. We're not going to do that for Iglesias. That, that'd be nuts. Okay, we're not going to give up Lindor. Kipnis, I could see giving up but he's he's 31. He's go, he's not going to be there when the Reds are going to be good again. Uh, same thing with Michael Brantley. I'm not going to give up Bradley Zimmer. I would consider giving up Greg Allen and Tyler Naquin. Um, as as far as first base is concerned, you got Yonder Alonso. You know, one of the two catchers I would be willing to talk about. But again, they're not going to be there when the Reds are going to be successful. Yeah, if I had Iglesias. Then yeah, I've got I, I've got a merry-go-round as to who would close the game: Cody Allen, Iglesias, or Andrew Miller. What what a great problem to have! And yeah, you said your ERA is over nine. I would think that if you have a chance to get to the playoffs or the bullpen with what you have now, plus Iglesias and that starting staff, my God, you guys! I mean, my my point in all this is that teams have a window of opportunity. And oh, I the agree. Indians and, and the opportunity for the Indians is closing. You had but, two years in a row, you had a chance. I think they've got a great chance this year. But next year, who knows? And the year after. But here's I my mean, but here's my question. Again, I, I pose the question. What do the Reds want? They want your number one draft pick from two thousand and seventeen and probably two thousand and sixteen. Well, two thousand sixteen was traded away for Andrew Miller. That was Clint Frazier. Um, so he's he's already gone. Um, num- somebody of that ilk. You ask me, it, it has to be somebody who can come up next year or the year after and be a starter, or at least a high probability of being a starter. And I think they need a bat. I think they have to have more consistent outfield play. I mean, they got outfielders hitting 180, 200, and 210. That's their outfield. Yeah, and and that's why you know I've. We've got we've got an outfielder down in Columbus right now in Brandon Barnes 
who's not even being talked about as far as the Indians are concerned. But down in the minor leagues, he's hitting 322. He's got two homers, 17 RBIs. He's only 25 years old. He's a left fielder. And the reason he hasn't come up to the Indians is why? Because they're stockpiled with outfielders. Well, you said only 25. That's middle age now for some of these guys. Well, if, he, if, if he's still in the minor leagues at 25, he may not make it to the Indians until he's 27. To me, that's a journeyman. That's a guy who's not doesn't have top-shelf talent, or he would be traded for somebody already. Let me let me look at the Akron roster because I know one guy I'm not giving up for certain is Francisco Mejia. Now, anybody else that we talk about is... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back up. Back up the truck. Mejia is two years away from making your, your team. You've got two good catchers up there right now. You're telling me you wouldn't trade Mejia for Iglesias? No. Oh, my God. Nope. I just fired your butt from GM. No. Nope. That is that is dumb. Because they're they're doing everything they can to find another position for him. No. Would not would not give him up. But he, he, David, he, he's not going to he's not going to make your team next year or the year after. Iglesias can get you into the World Series and let you win a World Series. Mejia may be Mejia may be up this year at catcher, the way well, Perez is cat the way Perez but, is playing right now. Okay, but your your catching is already in pretty good. If he doesn't come up, you've still got two pretty good catchers. And I'm saying that the weakest part of the Indians right now is your bullpen. And Iglesias is a premier reliever that you guys could use to get into the World Series and win it. And you're saying you're not going to give up a minor league catcher? Nope. Come on. Nope. No. <laughs> well, you're not going to. You're not, when I buy the Reds, you're not going to be my GM. That's it. <laughs> Um, you know, as, as far go, going back to that though, one of the guys that I probably would be interested in would be Lorenzen. I know I could get him a lot cheaper um, from the Reds than Iglesias. Um, that would be one that I'd be interested in, and he's starting have to throw off at, the mound, right? Have you looked at his numbers? Yeah, I've looked at his numbers. I but I well, look, look at I him also, again because he has not done anything for the Reds the last two years. He's got he's gotten hammered, and he's a big, strong guy. And he's got talk about a two cent brain. This guy's a little strange, and uh, <laughs> depending on who you want to give up, I'll I'll give you Lorenzen, but I, I'm not sure you're going to be happy with it. See, it, the problem with the Reds is, and and again, we get right back to the same the same dilemma. The problem they are stockpiled with infielders. Yeah, they they right. they have no outfielders. They are stockpiled with infielders. They have no relief pitching, and they've got a lot of starting pitching in the minor leagues. The way that this team was built under Jockety is just haphazard. He threw talent up against the wall and hoped some of it stuck. I bet they had more shortstops that they drafted in the first couple of rounds than any team in baseball, and not including what they did on, in, on the international market. Do you, agree with what Rick, do you agree with what Rick Manning says? the Indians color analyst on TV, that if you play shortstop, you're the best athlete on the field, you can play any position, any position. Uh, yeah, I agree that you can defensively. Yes. But Billy Hamilton has proven that you can't take a shortstop and put him in center field and expect him to hit because he's hitting like a shortstop. And that's the problem. He's hitting 200. Uh, he, he's never had an on-base percentage over three. Uh, he steals 58 bases, but it's for a team that's in last place. He's not – I think Manning's correct 
physically, yeah, the shortstop could probably play any position because they are the most gifted players on the field. Absolutely correct. But they don't translate. The only guy I've ever seen translate into a really good outfielder from being a really good infielder was, can, can you think who I'm thinking of? Who was the best shortstop who ever went to the outfield? Mickey Mantle. Well, actually, he, he played second base, but uh, I'm thinking about Robin Yount. Oh, okay. Well, Rob, Robin, yeah, Yount. But Robin Yount played shortstop for, what, 10, 12 years and then moved to the outfield? Yeah, and he was an all-star in both yeah. positions. Yeah, I mean, And a great fielder in both positions. Yes. When you're shortstop, that means you've got a great arm, and you, you're just a good athlete. And so Rick Manning's correct there. But very, very few guys make that transition offensively because it's, it's a different body type typically. And, you know, A-Rod, never, A-Rod came up as a shortstop, moved to third, and because he was his physically, he grew into being a third baseman, not a shortstop. See, if I was absolutely positively sure, Mark, that Senzel could play second base, I would be glad to trade you Yandy Diaz, who plays third. I and and I think you would, and I would do that even up for Iglesias, and I think you guys would be thrilled at that because he's a 300 hitter and he plays great third base. But again, he's stuck in a situation in Cleveland where Ramirez is there. Well, I, again, I'm a believer that. Like Sinzel, another example of a, of a highly, highly touted player. I've seen him play now for two years. Uh, right now, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him as a game changer. Could he be a, a decent middle infielder for a major league team? Yeah, I think he could. Uh, hit 275, 280. That's not going to change this team. <laughs> What's going to change this team is getting a couple outfielders who could hit 35, 37, 38 home runs, drive in 100 runs apiece, and play decent defense. That's what's going to change this team. It's not going to be another middle infielder. They're a dime a dozen. I don't care how good they are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hey, we've got an Ask Us question tonight coming from Jason Newland off of the Facebook page. This is a very interesting Ask Us question. It's going to encompass two different sports, the NHL and Major League Baseball, and I thought this was interesting. The Las Vegas Knights have reached the NHL's Western Conference Finals in their first year. They're an expansion team. This is an unbelievable story. They they have reached the, the finals in the Western Conference. Do you think there will ever be a Major League Baseball expansion team that could do the same thing? I think it's possible, yeah. Um it's interesting. That's a, that is a that is a question. Number one, I don't think there's going to be a lot of expansion in baseball over the next 25 years. Number one. Now Manfred wants to expand two more teams. I know, but two teams over the next 20 years is not a lot of teams. So uh, assuming he does expand, that's that's only twice. But if you look back, you know the, the team that was really underrated during you know back in the 60s when Houston and and the, and the Mets came in, Houston was a pretty good ball club. <laughs> As an expansion team, they had really, really good pitching. They were in the Astrodome, and they were tough to beat. And, you know, the Mets were so spectacularly bad. Uh, everybody thought that they were, you know, the worst team in baseball, and they were. Uh, but Houston, you know, had they had a couple hitters, that team would have been competitive early on. Uh, but they, they never, they kind of fell by the wayside as the Mets grew from when they got into the league in 62 until they won it in 69. That's not all that much, you know. It, it, it took them only seven years to win a World Series, uh, but they did it right. 
you know, they signed some good pitchers and Kuzman and Seaver and Matlock and those guys. And uh, that's what got them to the World Series and eventually beat uh, beat Baltimore. But in the NHL is a little different because their, their minor leagues and the college players that come up, they're really good. And I think there's a bigger gap between the major league baseball players and the minor league baseball players than there are professional hockey players. I think they, what I know about NHL, and I, I used to follow the Blackhawks in Chicago, they bring guys up all the time, mm-hmm. and these guys would contribute immediately. They were good. They were, they were specialists, and they knew, you know, they, they, they got on the right line, and, and then they contributed it right away. It doesn't happen as much in baseball. You don't have a guy coming in from AAA and he's hitting 360 the first year. It just doesn't happen. Right. So uh, I, I think NHL, like the minor leagues, are probably better comparatively than the minor leagues in baseball. Well, that's our Ask Us question for tonight. If you got something for next week, uh, just send me a Facebook message or send me a, an email to dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com. Or you can also send me a tweet at OHBB co-host. That's our Ask Us segment for tonight. Mark, I want to I want to talk a little bit. I mean, you you brought it up here just very very briefly about Matt Harvey. Uh, do you think it's worth a shot for the Reds? I know you said you thought it, they wouldn't lose anything, but you know what the heck? Do you think it is worth a shot? He's 29 years old. He's had arm injuries in the past. He's kind of a head case. When you're when you're the Cincinnati Reds at this point, uh, you would take a look at just about anybody. Uh, I'm serious. I mean, you, you've got nothing to lose. You can let Matt Harvey come into this rotation right now. Let him start over. If he needs a couple months or a couple weeks in the minors, check out the arm, make sure it's healthy. Put him in the rotation and forget it. The Reds are going to finish in last place in the Central no matter who they bring up. So this would give him an opportunity to work on his stuff without the pressure and the glare of the New York spotlight. Come in here and say, hey, Matt, if it works out for you, you got a spot in the rotation next year, let's give it a go. Let's find out if you're healthy. Go out there and pitch. We're going to stick with you. We're going to give you 10 or 15 starts and see what happens. You've got nothing to lose. So, yes, I mean, the way Finnegan is pitching, you know, he gets hammered every time he goes out there. What do they have to lose? Right. What have you heard anything on the horizon as far as the new manager is concerned? No, there's no. I think they're going to give Riggleman his shot and um, let him, you know, see what he can do on this team. I, I would make a prediction that if he uh, is not named the manager, he'll he'll be offered something with the organization. I think the Reds respect him. I like him. I mean, I've heard him speak. He's thoughtful. Strategically, I think he's much better than Brian was. Uh, so yeah, I hope they give him a chance. I, I think, you know, he, he could help this team. Uh, he's certainly not going to hurt it. Uh, but, you know, he, he's he, he's a guy who knows baseball. He's respected in the league. And don't forget, it wasn't all that long ago. He was he was managing the Washington Nationals. Right. And they got to the playoffs, and it wasn't for a contractual issue. Uh, he might still be managing that team. You know, you mentioned the fact that Riggleman is is more um, strategically sound than Brian Price. Well, Riggleman was 
Price's right-hand man. He was the bench coach in the dugout. Are you saying then that Brian Price just didn't listen to the suggestions that Riggleman made? Yeah, I am saying that. I, I think a lot of the things – Riggleman already has done some things I really like. Uh, he's he, he's pinch hit for Billy Hamilton now three times in, in key situations. Are you kidding me? That should have been done the last three years. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, and, and, and Ryan – or. Um, Adam Duvall. He's pinch hit for Adam Duvall. Uh, and that wouldn't have been done by Brian Price. He'd be afraid of hurting feelings. And he's not afraid of hurting feelings. You know, he's, he's ready to kick some butt. And I, I think he's the guy that runs Neek right now. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him as the permanent manager. Um, I, I don't think he's done anything to hurt his cause as far as being the permanent manager, but if he's not going to be that, Mark, I really think they need to bring somebody in for the last month of the season that is going to be the permanent manager to get a look at the organization not on the field. I think they've got to bring in somebody that to get a head start on this so that when they go into the, the winter meetings, the manager has got some sort of an input on, on what these players can do. What do you well, think? Yeah, I agree with you. That is why I do not think they're going to bring anybody in from the outside. <laughs> I think I think they're going to fire. They're going to hire from from within. And I've forgotten his name now, but the guy they brought up from uh, AAA uh, as to be the bench coach. Uh, he's been around these guys for a long time. He knows them. I think you're right. I, I think it's it's tough to start over with these young players. And uh, you know, it can't be Joey Votto and then you know guys we never heard of. And, and speaking of Votto. I was down there yesterday. I only saw two of the hits he got out of four. <laughs> Dave, this guy, he is a machine. He hit a ball. He pulled one ball off the right field fence. He hit one over the left field fence. He hit one a line drive to center field, and he pulled one down the right field line. They cannot get him out. Every ball he hits, he squares up. And it's just a shame that the world doesn't see Joey Votto play because he's one of the best hitters I've ever seen. And he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and nobody knows it because nobody watches this team because they're so awful. But when, every time I go down there, I'm like, I marvel at this guy. He's just a great, great hitter. Mark, there's only one left-handed hitter I've ever seen that is better. Ted Williams. My four-year-old grandson. <laughs> he hit a line drive right back through the box the other night that the, the coach's pitch, he had to jump out of the way of it. Good for him. He should have hit him. <laughs> Got a couple other things I want to bring up to you here before the night is over. Ichiro has, well, I guess you can't say he's retired because I think he'd like to go on a farewell tour in Japan next year. He can't do it this year because he's still contractually obligated to the Mariners, but he's going to transition himself into the front office. Boy, you talk about a guy that came over from overseas, Mark, and really seized the opportunity He's one of the few that has done it and did it successfully. You know, the Reds had a chance to sign him. Yeah. They didn't. And, you know, the thing I like about Ichiro, if you've ever seen him on, on YouTube or anything, the guy's funny. He, he's, he's got a great sense of humor. Can't speak a lick of English, but, yeah, he's funny. Oh, no, he, he speaks a little English now. He, he does. He, he does. Uh, it, it, you know, sometimes I wonder if he's kind of putting it on because I've heard him speak very well, and then sometimes he – doesn't speak so well, but he's got a great sense of humor, and he's smart, really smart guy. And I, I think whoever, whatever front office picks him up, 
is doing it because they want to go out there and get the Asian players, which is a very smart move because he's uh, he is a great player and, and a good guy. What an outfielder too! I mean, that guy has a cannon for an arm, and he's a little guy. You don't you, I don't know where he gets all his strength from, but uh, he's. I like him a lot. I wish the Reds had signed him, obviously. He had one of the most unorthodox swings that you would ever see. But in in Japan, that that's that's orthodox. That's common. Well, you know what is what's happened with that swing? If you look at girls' fast-pitch softball, yeah. most of those girls swing like that. Yes, they do. They, they, drag, they drag the bat and hit it to the opposite field, and that's what Ichiro does. And you know they're already down the first baseline by two steps, and there's the bat still in their hand. And but you know if you just put the bat in the ball, uh, that's what happens. And he perfected that swing. And um, uh, he, he, again, he's one of my favorites. Uh, one one more thing, Dave. Before we go, um, next week um, I'd like to invite a guest on our show, uh, a Reds fan that we know from last year, uh, Jeff Lowry. Ah, yes. Jeff, Jeff is uh, out in Arizona. He is a, a listener to uh, our, our show on a regular basis. And he's also just got the contract to do the University of Arizona baseball games. Oh, good for so him. I, yeah, so I'd like to talk to him about that next week. And uh, so, fans, if you want to hear from a guy who really knows his stuff, uh, Jeff Lowry will be joining us next week. That sounds good. How are you, how are you feeling right now about the Major League Baseball umpiring? I haven't seen anything egregious this this year, other than the high strike. I, I, it it baffles me that we're still arguing what the strike the strike zone is for these major league players. And this year, I don't know if you've seen it. To me, it's at least four to five inches higher than it was last year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're calling strikes at the breastbone, you know, right uh, right across the top of the chest or at, at the chest level, and that's higher than I remember it being. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I'm I'm really starting to lose my confidence in the umpiring situation. I think they're relying too much on the replay. Yeah, and I I don't blame them to some extent. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to make a bad call because you're going to be overruled. You, you know, you get embarrassed. But what's happening is they are they, they are perfecting this replay stuff. And the, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to go down to three umpires. Then you'll go down to two. And then they'll say, okay, this just have late. And then that, that's going to go. It's not going to happen next year or the year after. It may not happen for four or five years. But it's going to happen because it's more accurate. You can't argue. The games go faster, and it is a strike's a strike. You establish the strike zone, and that's it. I'm not going to deny that we'll probably get the way that you said it, um, but I think the union is going to have a lot to say about it. It, it, That that may be true, but it doesn't – you know, I don't know how many major league umpires there are, but it – the minor leagues will not be able to afford that technology for a long time if they get it. If, it's, if it is perfected, I think it'll be expensive, but it'll be accurate. And you can't have I – mean, even now, there's a certain number of plays that can't be reviewed that can cost a team a game or a, a pennant or a World Series championship. And 
if that happens, and it will happen, uh, you're you, you know you're going to have a, a call for hey guys, let's just do it right. Let's just get the robots to do it and forget about it. Mark, there was a call on Friday night's ball game in the Yankee Indians game where Jan Gomes swung and foul tipped the ball off off of his kidney area, a liver area, okay, uh, right there to the right of his stomach, and it glanced off of him and into the catcher, and the catcher dropped the ball. The home plate umpire said that he swung and missed. And the fact of the matter is that's an unreviewable play. Mm-hmm. How can that not be reviewable? Because they they feel they can't see a glancing blow like that. Well, if you can't see it, you can't see it. So then stick with the original call. Okay, that's right. That's what they did. No, they didn't even look. I know, Dave, but it's it's more likely that call can be heard. You you can hear it hit hit the player rather than see it. Well, in this instance, you could see it. Well, I I don't know why they, they picked that other than the fact I heard that some of the things are d- detected by sound as opposed to sight, mm-hmm. so so they don't review those, and because the only you know you can't hear it again, <laughs> it's it's gone. But uh, at, at any rate, th- th- there are I forget how many I heard that the other day. There's seven or eight uh, plays that can't be reviewed, and I've forgotten what they are now. But I knew one of them was what you just mentioned. Yeah, Mark the the Mets, Mickey Calloway's Mets are coming to town. This week, coming into Cincinnati to take on the Reds. What else do the Reds have this week? Well, Dave, again, uh, I've got the schedule, and I have looked at it, and <laughs> it's depressing, but you, you shamed me into it. But I want to say that the Reds have a chance, and, and I'm, I'm holding out hope here. Oh, boy. The Reds have a chance. They can lose the rest of the games in the month of May. They play the Mets for three games. Now, they, they have a chance to, to win one against the Mets. But then they go to L.A. for four over the weekend. Then San Francisco for three. Chicago for three. Pittsburgh for three. Colorado for three. And Arizona, who has the best record in the National League. So the Reds, at their present pace, of those, what is that, three, seven, ten, thirteen, sixteen, twenty-two games. The Reds have a real good chance here, Dave, to lose 17 or 18 of those games. I will say that four is the magic number, and I will go over four, that they will win more than four games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's close, isn't it? I mean, it's, 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 it's an over-under that's close. Yeah, that's true. The Indians, by the way, they're, they're at Milwaukee. They're off tonight. They're at Milwaukee tomorrow night, and then Wednesday afternoon, and then they're off Thursday. Boy, do they need the time off, too, believe me. Their bullpen does. And then they host Kansas City at Progressive Field Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mark, we'll be back with our guests next week. We'll see you again next Monday night. Have a good one, Dave. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks for joining us here this evening on Ultimate Sports Talk on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. We'll be back again next Monday night at 9 o'clock to talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you again next week.